For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Morecast, presented to you by DraftKings Sportsbook and America's top-rated sportsbook app. Before I get started, I'd like to tell you about Blanchard Family Wines, located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee, in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right in the middle of the dairy block. Uh, my favorite place to go get wine, uh, they got a great selection. I personally like their Cab 2017 Cabernet, which is my go-to right now, but of course that could change. Um, they got great Pinot, obviously, with California, California winemaker. Uh, they've also got a Riesling, which is a partnership with the Western Slope Winery. Basically, all you really need right there in Denver is a go-to, like just a single place where you can go to get what you need. And now that it's cold uh, and people are just going to be wanting some uh, to get some bottles of wine, go to bfwdenver.com. And uh, they have a, they're a whole selection right there. Go in and get it and uh, go out and you'll have a good time. Um, they are on Facebook and Instagram under Blanchard Family Wines. If you go to bfwdenver.com, you can book, book your virtual wine tasting, which is very popular. So I highly suggest you get in now and, and book your time in there. They are located between 18th and 19th in Blake and Wazee in beautiful lower downtown Denver, Colorado, just a couple blocks away from Coors Field, right smack dab in the middle of the dairy block. When you go in, tell them Jeff Morton from CSG Podcast sent you there. I'd also like to tell you about my friend Andy Feinstein. Please support our friends at Exto Event Center, located in Denver's vibrant Rhino Arts District. Exto Event can Event Center, excuse me, it's easy for me to say, can host safe, socially distanced events for 25 to up to 175 persons outdoors and up to 100 persons indoors. If you are interested in hosting an event for a corporate gathering, fundraiser, client appreciation, birthday or anniversary party, or just basically a morale-boosting happy hour, let's face it, we all need right now, Exto would love to be the uh, part of it. Um, there. Please visit extoevents.com for more information and book your private event today. All right, I have a special guest today. He's making his debut on CSG. Uh, I'm surprised it's taken this long for me to have him on as a guest. Uh, uh, he is at uh, Chapalicious on Twitter. Uh, he writes, he's the Denver Post Rapids writer, and uh, he writes about the buffs on Buff Stampede. Uh, but he is an all-around entertaining person who uh, is a great raconteur, a bon vivant, a man about town. It is Jake Shapiro. Hello, Jake. I'm surprised it's taken me this long, too, Jeff. I've only known you for almost a half a decade now. <laughs> it's on me. Okay, it is on. It's all right. Because <laughs> <laughs> you used to – I, I, I uh, love it when Jake comes to uh, – to Pepsi Center to cover the Nuggets because I'm no longer the shortest person there. So, uh. <laughs> whatever gives anyone else moral support, I'm glad to uplift people by having them stomp on me. Quite literally, <laughs> good, <laughs> glad. Um, Jake, uh, I I wanted to have you on just to you know to kind of talk about CU, but we're going to talk about uh, the Denver Post uh, Rapids coverage you you've had, and actually, you kind of wanted to get into this. What uh, what got you into this because uh, because uh, as you said i've known you for half a decade and this is not the area that i would have anticipated you venturing into is this something that you've always wanted to do or is it just a leg in 
Well, I grew up reading the Denver Post. I'm from Boulder. I live in Denver. I respect the living hell out of Mark Hisla. He's one of my idols and now a friend, and I'm lucky to have him as a friend. I grew up reading Troy Rank and, again, another person that's been nothing but nice to me in this industry. Um, so I always wanted to write for the Denver Post. That was always a dream of mine. And Matt Stevens was the editor of the Denver Post when I got hired. He was the sports editor, the deputy sports editor, and I thought he hated me because I am such a CU homer. Like, unbashedly, I'm a CU homer. And that's all right. Like, I'm a Boulder kid. I went to CU Boulder. Yeah. I think I do fair and balanced coverage of the buffs, but I'm a CU homer. And uh, uh, Stevens covered CSU, and I was constantly making fun of CSU and Stevens and all this stuff. <laughs> and, you know, at the Rocky Mountain Showdown, we bump into each other, say hello, but it was nothing past that. So I always thought he might have had some you know, harbor some feelings towards me. I got a call from him one day. This was last February in 2019. He goes, hey, what do you know about soccer? I go, and, and, and Doug Looney, who's a great writer from Boulder, Colorado, wrote for Sports Illustrated, goes, he was telling me the story. And while I was in Mark Johnson's class, who's uh, works for KO, you work for KOA, he's the voice of the Buffs. And uh, Doug Looney was telling us this story about uh, when he was working for Sports Illustrated, they'd give him assignments and they would go, what do you know about this? And he'd always say everything. And he would lie. So it would be like hot air ballooning. Doug Looney, I know everything. Go to the library, read about it. So yeah. Stevens calls me and goes, what do you know about soccer? I go, I know everything. I, I'm a big soccer guy, whatever, whatever. He's like, all right, well, we need someone on Rapids coverage. We're trying to expand coverage. Do you want in? And I'm like, hell yes. Hang up the phone. Great phone call. Start making some phone calls. I'm like, yeah. all right. Hey, uh, my buddy that played high school soccer. What, what do you know about soccer? Like, do you know anyone that can connect me with anything that knows soccer or whatever, whatever? So I'm like making calls. Like I go out to Rapids practice a couple of days later and uh, Connor Cape, who's a really good friend of mine, uh, sees me and he knew me from Rockies coverage because he did Rocky stuff and he's the voice of the Rapids. And he goes, why are you here? You don't know anything about soccer. I'm like, shh, don't <laughs> tell anybody. Um, and then like it became pretty clear, like three questions into asking Anthony Hudson uh, like questions uh, he was the coach at the time that I knew nothing and Hudson's like just turn off your microphone I'll teach you some things <laughs> so like they were actually very very nice about teaching me things Marcelo Balboa who's the Rapids color guy and a very famous U.S. men's national team player taught me a lot of things I still don't know what I'm talking about I really love and appreciate the sport though I never gave it the, the time of the day just because I grew up a hockey player I uh, was never a soccer guy um, but I really like watching soccer now but mm -hmm. I can't go like I can with baseball or basketball and go that's a bad play on my own eyes I have to ask people because I don't know which is a really cool thing because as a journalist I actually have to rely on my journalism abilities and my reporter abilities to go out and find out so that's kind of how that happened I didn't know anything got a weird phone call Denver Post called said please just hire me and I'm here now and yeah. I've gotten some great opportunities the post has been nothing but nice to me uh, uh Stevens left but now Matt Schubert's my editor and he's a great guy mm -hmm. um and basically I just say yes to every assignment which uh Benjamin Hockman who's one of your good friends mm -hmm. uh from back in the day on Nuggets coverage one of his best pieces of advice to me was just say yes to absolutely everything so I say yes to everything even if it's covering high school track and I'm just I just keep living yeah, I, I saw you uh, tweeting out some pictures. Uh, were you uh, doing a high school football game here uh, last weekend? I was doing a high school football game in 25 degrees. And my right yeah. hand, I think, was about 20 seconds from hypothermia because I have to write down the stats of, you know, how many yards the wide receiver goes for or whatever. Um, 
and uh, you know, my left hand's gloved and whatever, but my right hand's not. So I wrote the whole story from Buffalo Wild Wings left-handed because I couldn't feel my right hand. Jeez. Oh my God. That's some dedication there, Jake. <laughs> that's more dedication than I ever showed at Denver Stiffs. <laughs> it's very good, man. Because look, look, that's what you got to do. It's, it's, it's called hustling. And honestly, I, I, that's a trade I admire because uh, me doing about four, three, four years of uh, beat writing of covering the Nuggets, uh, I really wanted to uh, no longer have anything to do with any writing after that. So I was like, I'm done. I'm going to do nothing but writing long-winded historical com- columns after that because that's it because I'm, I'm not doing it anymore. And I appreciate your like ability to just do it because that's a skill that I just do not possess. And I admire that sort of thing. I really do. Well, thank you. And, and I, I really do like the, the first writings I was doing when I got into this were about the Rockies and the history of Denver baseball and how much I love the history of sports and, and the nostalgia piece of it. Um, but, you know, I, I'm not, no one's a real big fan of writing gamers, but even within the last week, I've gotten a really couple cool stories with high school football and stuff where it's like, I get to tell the story of a 17 or 18 year old kid that doesn't even know how awesome what he's doing just did. Like, this kid just did something that was so courageous and such a great athletic achievement. And he doesn't even know. And mm-hmm. I get to tell that story. And that's a really cool thing. And I step back and try to realize that all the time from a, like a meta perspective, I think about journalism and communication from a meta perspective all the time. And what's the purpose of what I'm doing. And uh, you know, the fact that that kid's going to have that framed on his grandma's wall, the rest of his life is a really cool thing. And I think about that when I'm writing the story, which maybe isn't the best thing to think about because you're supposed to be telling the story, but you know, I, I think that, you have to remember your audience and your perspective and the context you're providing, because ultimately Jeff as writers, all we're doing is providing context and perspective. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And without the context, there is no perspective. And, and, and I, th- I think that that's a, that's a great kind of trait to have. And I, I, you know, I think about you frequently because I live not far from Dick's Sporting Goods Park. I, I, in fact, I live next to the Arsenal. And I will frequently just go down and drive because it's relaxing and go down and look at the Buffalo. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, Buffalo and Dick's Sporting Goods. I got to have Jake Shapiro on here. So it was, uh, and, 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 you know, you guys don't know this, but Jake initially had a, a Buffalo background, which if it wasn't interfering with the audio, I would actually absolutely love to have that thing uh, as my own background. But, you know, as you, as you're doing this, what is the kind of as someone who is a writer more of a media person because I kind of associate you with you with do, you, you with doing uh, play by play too. Just being mm-hmm. in media, your own personal experience as someone who went to school to do this. How are you finding the state of it right now? Because obviously, you know, the pandemic is interfering with things. But just in general, even before the pandemic, how are you finding, you know, either your own role in it or the state of what you're seeing right now as where you could fit into this that like how you envision your own future it's funny because a lot of people want to write for a living i i've never wanted to write i actually don't like writing that much and only recently have i become what i consider to be proud of my own writing um and it's a large part due to the fact that i've started journaling and i don't like talking about myself but i've become comfortable with writing about myself which is a really hard thing so um, I got into this industry to do play-by-play. I love play-by-play, um, but it's what almost everyone wants to do. And I realized I needed to diversify and add social media skills and writing and broadcasting and all this other stuff to my abilities. 
writing is probably the last thing I want to do out of all these things. But if I get paid to watch sports, I get paid to watch sports and I'll do it. And ultimately I write things that really make me passionate about it sometimes, but you know, 60 to 70% of the times I'm writing an injury report and it kind of sucks. But those are the parts of the job that, you know, everyone has shitty parts of their jobs. I do too. Like I get that. Um, but where I look at media right now, uh, even before after the, the, the coronavirus pandemic, and I've only ever been in the Denver media market, but I look at it in a really, I think it's in a really bad place. Yeah. And, you know, I work for the paper of record and I'm really proud of that. Um, and I, I think that the Denver Post will be a, a, a around for a long time. You talk to a lot of people and they think that the Denver Post won't be around for a long time. In some form or faction, the Denver Post will exist. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's newspaper, online, whatever. I don't even really know how my bosses see this thing. This is just how I see this thing. Um, I think the fan covering teams thing, um, and, and I'm sorry to all my friends that are fans covering their teams. I think that's one of the worst things that has happened to sports. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big fan of fans covering teams. Uh, I, I think that just inherently there becomes bias. I can recognize my own um, when I'm covering the Buffs. Um, I recognize it when I'm covering the Nuggets. Meanwhile, I'm not a fan of the Rockies, and I, and I see the difference in the coverage just from my own perspective evaluating myself. But you look at a media market like Denver, which is full of about you know 30 to 50-year-olds, 30 to maybe 60-year-old dudes mainly covering stuff. There are very few women covering sports in Denver. There are very few people of color covering sports in Denver. There are very few young people making a living covering uh, full-time sports in Denver. And I think this media market is having such a hard time connecting to people my age, which is something they don't understand because our communal thing, we all have different communal things uh, for you, for people your age, Jeff, you know, it might've been going to the bowling alley. It might've been playing in intramural leagues. Twitter's not communal. You still need communal things. Everyone my age, no matter how little money they have, goes to the bar and watches sporting events, even if they're not sporting fans. And I was trying to tell this to someone that runs a radio station in town the other day that I am someone that is able to connect with that audience And this is something that no one really understands or grasps yet. And this audience is eventually going to have money. But even now, they're still spending money at the bars. So these 18 to 29-year-old kids that don't have much money, they're huge sports fans because it's the only community that they have because their life has lived online. And uh, DNVR, I used to work for them, to their credit, is doing a really good job capitalizing on kind of that fact of of the media market the thing is and i'm i'm a journalist that's not journalism what they're doing and that's a very big divide and i think that not necessarily everyone knows media well enough to know the difference between journalism and not journalism and you look at the fake news stuff going on in the country and even people getting duped by that new york uh post story recently Mm um it, it, it all stems from like this massive meta media thing coming from our lack of media education and media awareness as a whole culture. And it comes from the president. It comes from our day-to-day interactions. It's everyone. And I'm not trying to get political. Like all I'm saying here is we don't really understand what we're reading and doing every day. So as a young man stepping into the market, that's largely considered white. I'm Jewish. So I technically am a minority, but that's a whole other thing. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get into. Um, 
it, it, it's, it's a really hard thing because I recognize how privileged most of my life has been. And I recognize how unbelievable that some of the people around me that are from minority backgrounds or women have overcome and how hard it is to just get to where I've gotten, which frankly is nowhere in this industry. Um, and, and I respect the living hell out of them. So, um, I, I honestly, my biggest inspiration right now, and it changes from all the time is Mina Kimes. Like, I think she's yeah. unbelievable, but to see that for myself is really hard to do because I haven't seen anyone else around me, uh, besides maybe Kyle Newman break into the media market full time in Denver. That's around my age. And, and that's disappointing to me because I believe just like politics that every different age group and every single different type of person should be represented represented in their coverage and yeah. i don't think that's happening right now in denver i think it's largely covered by the same group of people that are picking their belly hairs and drinking a beer watching the six o'clock news in golden yeah you know i, I and it was funny you bring that up because i i carry with myself a tremendous amount of guilt for my own role in destroying a lot of the aspects of journalism that uh, that are here uh, because of Denver Sifts was the first credentialed blog in Denver. And I, I actually struggled with this because my dad worked at the Rocky Mountain News for 35 years. And of course, he hated the fact that I was writing a blog. And uh, I, I do carry with me a tremendous amount of guilt because I, if, if I think that it specifically what SB Nation has done to just kind of play a part in destroying journalism. And then anyone who has listened to the Mortcast knows my thoughts on SB Nation, okay? Um, not paying people, not incentivizing people, and basically being a gateway to having fans getting credentialed. Um, honestly, I think that that has been a highly destructive thing. And I think that has contributed to the lack of, of degreed people being able to get their, you know, their foot in the door. Because it's like, and, you know. And don't get me wrong. I'm all for people that don't have degrees being the being in journalism. I think the fact that you need a degree to get into journalism is bullshit. Like, yeah. uh, ultimately, college is just uh, a way of saying you were dedicated enough to do this thing for a certain amount of times. I learned very few things from my classes. I learned most of the things from being actually in Boulder in that environment. Yeah. Um, but uh, you look at specifically the Nuggets in the Rockies, who, who mm -hmm. were some of the first to allow blogs in. Now, you can feel a tremendous amount of guilt. I'm not going to say you should or shouldn't. Um, but what I will say is most of the fact that they gave you credentials lies on the fact that the Denver Post, 7 News, 9 News, 4 News, 31 News in Denver, and 104 through the fan stopped paying attention to the Nuggets and the Rockies, largely in the late 2000s and yeah. early 2010s. Yeah. And they went and said, where can we get more coverage? Okay you know what, if we give these people credentials who are highly passionate about this thing, maybe they'll be more professional about it, which they were like that actually worked out. Like, mm -hmm. you know, the people that cover the, the things for SB Nation and stuff end up being kind of professional, but yeah. they're still fans and they don't have the best media training. So what I'm trying to say is all of this stems from the fact that traditional media stopped paying attention and the teams looked elsewhere. The Rapids will allow just about anyone to cover them because no one covers the Rapids yeah. and there's not enough of an audience. So they want their voice as big as, as big as possible. So yeah. I can't really blame the teams for that. And I can't really blame the media outlets for that. But what I will say is 
you know, it comes from the fact that this is such a Broncos town. It always will be. It always has been. And no matter what you say or do, um, the Broncos are not offensive. You can listen to them on the radio all day long, and they're not going to drive people away from the radio. If you listen to the abs, half your audience goes away. So I just, I, I ultimately think that, you know, Jeff, you filled a niche that needed to be filled. Me as a Nuggets fan, I wanted to find out coverage of, uh, and find out news about George Carl and Danilo Gallinari. Yeah. I wasn't getting that the way I wanted it to from the Denver Post as much as I liked who was writing for them at the time. Yeah. I think – you know, and, and we're, we'll, we'll kind of drift into uh, CU stuff here in a second, but I, I, I think that's a, a valuable thing. And I think for people like you, you know, and, 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 and look, this is, this is one of the reasons I wanted to have you on here is because you've been, you've been doing this in a very, uh, you know, with CU. And, and, and quite frankly, I hope to God that you get a play-by-play job here. That's, that's my hope for you is that you get a play-by-play job of, of somewhere because it's, you know, you're very good at it. And I think that that is a, where I see your future. It's seeming to me, and maybe, you know, this is kind of where I want to, to end the media discussion. It's like maybe how your experience in trying to get really where you're passionate right there is with, with audio media. Um, do, do you think that that has been a little more difficult than just, your journey through the rest of it, like through writing or anything like that? Yeah, audio media has been really hard. Even in college, uh, it took me a year to just get on a microphone, being behind people at CU at their station, KBCU. And then once I got behind a microphone, I never wanted to give it up. But the real reason they put me in front of a microphone is because I started my own podcast called The Silver Gold Show. And it was so good that they needed me in front of a microphone. And BSN ended up hiring me because they're like, let's do this for the buffs. so it's, it's been one of those things where it's like, I was an entrepreneur and I said, I'm going to create my own stuff. I brought the Rockies podcast to BSN as well. That took off. Then I made it my own. And I was the number one podcast on Rockies after I left BSN and did my own thing. Like I, I really just, I grew up listening to Dan Patrick. I grew up listening to Dan Levitard. I always wanted to do radio or play by play. And I always found those shows fascinating and endlessly interesting. I found Dan Patrick and Dan Levitard more interesting than the actual games that were happening. Yeah. So I wanted, I wanted to do that. And uh, it's been really hard. I, I talk, like I said, I, I'm, I'm close with a bunch of people in radio across town. And I'm not even close to being able to get, on, get in front of a microphone on one of the major stations here besides calling in for 10 minutes a week and talking rapids or buffs. Yeah. which is a shame because I've been hosting podcasts for years, but it's such a different thing. And I know that because I hosted radio mm-hmm. at CU, uh, but they don't value the experiences that my generation is gaining the same way that their generation gained, mostly because as someone who hires someone, you want to hire someone that reminds you of yourselves. Yeah. Well, people 26, 27 and under, I'm 25, have such different experiences both in life and media than the people that have come before us. So it's really hard for someone to say that person reminds me of myself. I'm going to hire them because the experiences my generation are gaining are so vastly different that the skill sets we have are so different that if they're trying to fit us into a box, that box is not going to fit no matter how hard they're going to try. Yep. That's a, that's a, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. And, uh, I, I think that yeah, – tell you what. I'll tell you what I'll do. I'm going to uh, go ahead and do my DraftKings read here. And this is, this is Jeff thinking 
while he's recording. So um, I'm going to do my DraftKings read, and uh, we are sponsored by DraftKings. Um, the season is in full swing, and the action is still unfolding, so head over to DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Reading with radio voice right now. Uh, with so many storylines uh, across uh, both professional and collegiate sports, this is the time to check out DraftKings Sportsbook, what DraftKings Sportsbook has to offer. To celebrate uh, Showdown and Happy Valley, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users a chance to turn $1 into $100 when pl- placing a bet on either Ohio State or Penn State. Additionally, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users a chance to read a sign up, receive a sign-up bonus of up to $1,000. That's right, $1,000. On top of those great sign-up offers, DraftKings offers great odds boosts every Sunday to help you make it rain, and rain is spelled R-E-I-G-N. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up and to get this can't-miss offer. Pick either Penn State or Ohio State. Bet $1 on them and cash $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use promo code MHS to sign up. For limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Bonus comprised of first deposit bonus and first bet match. Each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times to play through. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Jake. You laugh about radio voice, but my friends at parties keep having me do radio voice on Parsons <laughs> Project and doing the 98 Bulls introduction, but with their names. So it's a good party trick. Yes, that's, that's great. There was a, there was a, a uh, the, the PA guy that, at Big Mac, uh, at Big Nichols Arena for Nuggets games. I forgot his, uh, I forgot his name, uh, but he used to do this great uh, Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf uh, Every time uh, Mahmoud, uh, Mahmoud hit a shot, he would be this, boo! Like, it was just fantastic. And I, I, uh, I miss that. I miss that guy. Anyway, um, Jake, see you Buffaloes. Now, I, I, to give you some context here, my mother uh, graduated and went to see you in the late 60s. And uh, I was born at Folsom Field in 1978 during a Rolling Stones concert. And uh, I, I have, you might say that I have CU in my blood, okay? It is, it is, it is who I bleed. It is black and gold. Uh, I had Justin Michael on here a couple months ago, and I'm like, man, why am I interviewing Little Brother? That's exactly what I was, why I was thinking. Um, it's funny because I love <laughs> Justin, and every time I talk to him, that's how I feel. He's such a good guy, but I'm like, ah, you're Little Brother. Exactly. So, but, you know, Jake, you, you, you going to see you, um, you, you know, Buff Stampede, you, you have, you know, I'm not going to look to you for insider knowledge, but I'm just going to ask you a general question, uh, you know, having gone through, uh, two coaches. Let's see. Were you there for the uh, the? Uh, I oh. I was there from the start of the McIntyre era. I actually broke the scandal about the stuff with uh with the defensive coordinator, defensive line coach. So, I was going yeah, to ask you about that. To yeah. talk talk me through that whole thing because that was big, and should have been bigger. I thought, to be honest with you. But was it? Uh, what was it like breaking through that story? You know, I, I, it was really hard and uh, I still face shit today from that. 
Wow. Um, I, the football program doesn't like me, uh, which I understand. Uh, but it was, it was really interesting because my boss at the time, Brandon Spano, really wanted me to break news. Like he, he was really unabashed about me breaking news. And, you know, I'd be partying with the players at the Walrus in downtown Boulder, like after games and I'd be seeing them do shit. But like, one, I'm also doing some of the same dumb shit as they're doing. Yeah. Um, two, like, I'm not going to break that trust because I'm, I'm there. Like, so there'd be like a national news story about a bar fight that broke out that I saw, like I was five feet from, and you know, Spano would text me and be like, Hey, like, why don't we have this? I'm like, well, I could have broke it literally live on Twitter last night or Periscope, but like, that's not what I'm doing. Yeah. And you know, there was such a, a push to break news there, no matter what, that I kind of lost sight of the long term. Uh, with CU, which was establishing long-term relationships, maybe one day even working for them or whatever, that when this scandal started to break and I started to hear things through the grapevine, you know, I'm unabashed using my phone, going through police records, interviewing girlfriends, girlfriends of players, like just whatever I can get, just to get closer and closer. And I spent three and a half months where I was at CU basketball practice and I'd run out and I would like take phone calls to like find out information about what was happening with that scandal. Um, and, you know, Sports Illustrated broke bigger parts of it and same, same as the Daily Camera, but I, I broke some news in that scandal, which was crazy because I was uh, 21 at the time. I didn't really know what I was doing. Ryan Koningsberg was my editor and he's, he's fantastic and a, a really good guy. Uh, and he was kind of leading me, but you know, he's 24. It's not like we have like this great journalism experience of like really knowing what we're doing and investigative reporting. I'm just like fumbling around looking at bits to like investigate. And I'm finding stuff mo mostly because I know a lot of the team because I'm at school there. I'm, I, you know, I've, spent a lot of time with the players yeah. and um, a community member that's lived in the area for 10 years. So I know some communal connections that are getting me stuff like the dude who represented the dude who is at the heart of the scandal is John Banachek. John Banachek represented my family before as a lawyer. Like wow. that's how connected I was to this scandal. Like right. there, there was a lot going on there that I, that I really understand. I grew up with John Banachek's kids. They were my brother's age. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, it was really, really hard because I never wanted to be Rick Riley. Um, yeah. I never wanted to be thought of that way. And even though I didn't, I, I didn't feel like I crossed the line, you know, uh, I think I took it a little too far at times. And granted, again, I was 21. I didn't even have a degree yet. I didn't really know what I was doing, but it was really hard on me personally because I was ripping apart something that I really cared about. Yeah. Um, and to this day, I really don't care about CU football as much as I, as I once did. Um, but I've always cared about CU basketball. I've always cared about Boulder. I've always cared about CU as a university. Uh, but that was, that was really hard. And I never looked at Mike McIntyre the same way again, because, uh, you know, he was a really God faring man and he had daughters and he continued to say that he had daughters. And, you know, uh, I didn't feel like a lot of what he did was what I would have done as yeah. someone that's really ethical and moral. Um, but I, I, it's hard to sit here and judge someone when I don't know what position they're in. Um, but I will say the one person that I judged constantly was CU's leadership, not Rick George. I felt like Rick George handled it right. He kept reporting upwards and yeah. Phil DeStefano did, did not really do what I think he needed to do. And I still yeah. have a lot of things to say about Phil DeStefano, which are unkind, but, uh, it, it was, it was just shocking to me how much it looked like they didn't care about something that really did matter. And meanwhile, while this is going on, 
I'm getting news of guys that are now in the NFL that are, that are hitting women that I know and, you know, stuff that never got public and stuff that I know to this day, but I could never report. And I'm just like, this whole thing is a disaster. And I'm, I know college football is like this across the country, but it just seems so icky to me that I didn't want to be a part of it. And, it. and it made me lose a lot of interest for both football, CU football, the athletic department, the school. Uh, I remember getting really bad grades the, the, the semester following that scandal. My dad thought that the school was out to get me. Um, it was like that, like conspiracy on it. And I was just like, dad, like, not that, like, it's just like, I don't really care. Like, I, I just kind of lost a lot of interest in all this. Cause it was, it was such a bad taste in my mouth. But I remember that semester too. I was at the bar with one of my really good friends at, at the dark horse and Phil DeStefano was at the bar and I actually just bought him a shot and I left. He saw my face. I bought him a shot and I was like, Hey, you know, <laughs> I know, you know, but, uh, um, <laughs> but yeah, that, that was hard. And, and I, and I truly do really love Boulder. Like I, I, I'm blessed to have moved there when I was just over 10 years old and, and yeah. be ra- been raised there. I understood that that's not how the world works because I grew up in the city in Chicago, but it really gave me a good background for understanding people and being, uh, wanting everything to be peaceful and, and unified and stuff like that. So, um, I really do love Boulder. I really do love CU, but that, that's, that scandal was hard. I think on a lot of people, and I've had to do a couple tough things as a reporter. Some of it never even got published where I've investigated other stuff where, again, I've just been kind of bumbling around, but uh, it, it just leaves a, a nasty taste in your mouth. Well, it does. I, I've, I've encountered in my time things like that. And it's, it, it, it's hard to separate yourself, particularly when you are, uh, at least on my end, um, invested in that particular thing entity Mm -hmm. and uh one of the reasons i really largely stopped going to nuggets games uh as a as a someone who covers them is that first of all there's people who are there covering the beat and i don't need to be there every every game but it's also it's like i like being a fan i enjoy being a fan and uh it's hard to encounter things that maybe alter your perception of fanhood um and in that sense, it's all right. But you're, you, you have uh, managed to carve for yourself a much, a much more steady and I would say um, long-lasting start to this. Because regardless of like breaking the news there, you, you know I mean, look, you, you didn't interfere with you getting a job at uh, the Denver Post. Right. It didn't interfere with that. You know, it's... well, you say that, but I, I know that there are some people and enemies that I've made that will spout my name around town and say he's unhirable. And, you know, what I have to say about that is I'd rather fail being 100 percent me unabashedly and be courageous about it than succeed not being me. And um, like I said, I do think I've made mistakes. And my only regret in life is not seeing Tom Petty at Red Rocks. That's literally my only regret in life. Um, but uh, but I, I've made mistakes. And, I, and, I, and I, I like that I've made mistakes because it's gotten me here and I can learn from them. Yeah. And uh, the things that I care about, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big Blackhawks fan and I, I've gotten a lot better at hiding that over the years. Um, but I don't really want to cover hockey because I don't want to step into that terrain. Um, when I cover the Nuggets, I kind of take a step away because I don't really want to bother myself with that Nuggets coverage. The only team that I covered that I'm actually a fan of is CU men's basketball. And it's a blessing that Tad Boyle is such a mensch. Like, I don't use that word uh, lightly. Uh, I've used it only on a three or four people in yeah. my life. But Tad Boyle is one of them. And 
he's honest. He, he says what needs to be said. He runs a, a program and which lines with my ethics and morals. And, and I think that treats a lot of people that could be treated unfairly, fairly. And uh, I grew up going to games when Richard Roby was the best player. 2000 fans were going, there was free tickets in the daily camera and the national anthem was sung backwards. Yeah. Like they didn't know what they were doing. And I watched that program grow up and it, and it was such a fun thing to do. Uh, and, and I've been there for all the glory days. So it's, it holds a special place in my heart, but you, I grew up a massive Cubs fan. I'm not a Cubs fan anymore uh, because I started rooting against them because I wanted the Rockies to succeed in the playoffs because it meant that I could go to the world series as a journalist, which yeah. was good for me is networking, not because I cared if the Rockies win the world series. So like it, it, I, I lost a lot of my fandom of baseball. This was the first year I haven't covered, covered baseball since yeah. I was 18 and I didn't watch any games until the postseason. I just, I had a really hard time doing it. Um, so yeah, I understand why you didn't go to Nuggets games all the time. It's because you, you lose a little bit of the, the, you know, it's like a girl that's in a bikini. Sometimes it's, it's, it's better because you're like, oh, leave something up to the imagination. You know what I mean? Like it leaves something up to the imagination because ultimately it's just 30 dudes in a locker room that have uh, chest hair and thighs that look just like you, but they just happen to be a little bit better at, at, at dribbling or, or shooting or whatever it is. Oh, you know, and, and I, I, I kind of want to hit on something uh, you talked about um, just now, but I, I want to provide you an anecdote. Um, uh, one of my memories of CU, when I was growing up, CU was dog shit in bas- basketball. They were awful. They were so, so bad. And um, they had a moment in 1990, if I remember correctly, when they w- went to the Big Eight Finals. Uh, and it was a big breakthrough because they were coached by Tom Miller, uh, General Tom. And uh, they had Sean Vandiver as their best player. He was a center, big guy. And it was such a euphoric moment for me because I would listen to these games on the radio. Dave Logan used to do the calls for the CU basketball mm-hmm. games. And I would listen to these games on the radio and I would get so stoked because they were so bad. And I am so envious for you guys who've been able to, to witness a competent CU basketball program because they were so right. bad for so long. Well, that's what's fun about, uh, and, and I said this the, the first year the Rockies were good. I think it was 18. Like, this was the year, or it was 17. Like, this is the best year. Like, if they win the World Series in 20, it won't even be as good as this. The year the team goes from being dog shit to good is the best year. Like, the last two seasons as a Nuggets fan have been phenomenal because mm-hmm. there have been not many expectations, and they've blown them out of the water. Yeah. Like, so it's been so fun because it's just all joy. And, and, and you know, there were some dead moments early on this season. I'm not going to forget November, which was pretty brutal. But I grew up going to see you basketball games when nobody was there and they were winning 13 games a year. And then to see them right before I go to college, my junior and senior year of high school, start making the tournament and start winning some big things. I was like, hell yeah, I can get behind this. And I never thought I could get into CU. I had a 2-4 GPA in high school. Mm. I'm dyslexic. I have ADHD. Um, I had a major concussion. I got like a two felonies in high school. Like I was a mess in high school. Mm. And uh, don't worry, they were for vandalism of Fairview because I was so passionate about my uh, high school, Boulder High School, and we wanted to win football games. So I drew go Boulder all over their high school. Wasn't anything violent. It was, it was just me being passionate, <laughs> which is exactly what fills in line with me. Um, but, you know, like I was a mess in high school and I thought I, 
my dad went to KU. I got into KU. I thought that was amazing. I'm like, oh my God, I got into a school that someone knows because I thought I was going to go to like Utah State or something. Yeah. And mainly, if you know Utah State and Kansas, I'm just picking schools based on how good their student sections are for their basketball team. <laughs> like that's all this was. I applied to Florida Gulf Coast yeah. because of that was the year Andy Enfield took them to the Sweet 16. Like that's all me just applying to schools. But I got into CU and yeah. I was like, how could I turn this down? It's such a great school. And I have to pay, I get to pay in state tuition. So, you know, I went to CU and, you know, four games, five games into my freshman year, they upset Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid on a last second shot from a ski booker who I know. And Spencer Dinwiddie is unbelievable in that game who bought me tickets the year before as a high school senior, because I was always interacting with him on Twitter. So yeah. it's like, hell yeah. Like, this is my team. Like, this has always been my team. Like, hell yeah. So um, yeah, I, I really do feel passionate about CU Buffs basketball. I, I'm, I'm, I really get excited. I even got excited one year when the volleyball team was going well. I was like going up to Colorado State to cover them and like whatever. Um, but I'm just really happy whenever the school does well, um, whether it's mm -hmm. Nobel Prizes or basketball wins. And I, I, I love, like I keep saying, I love Boulder so much and I only want the best for Boulder. And I haven't seen Boulder change as much as you have, Jeff, but I've seen it change a lot just within the last 10 years. And some of the changes are good. Some of the changes are really bad. I mean, personally, I think Boulder City Council is full of shit for some of the things they do with making the students drink on Pearl Street instead of on the hill because it just leads to more drunk driving and closing some of the really long-term establishments that make Boulder cultural and opening up banks and apartments instead. But you know, I still love it. And I still don't think that takes away from how beautiful, and how awesome of a town is. Yeah, there's some problems. And, you know, I have, I have friends that play on CU's football and basketball teams that have played and that are people of color. And I know that they face some different things and different problems in Boulder compared to maybe playing at Marquette in the middle of a city that people are used to seeing, let's just say black people. That's not happens in Boulder. You know, I went to high school, with like four black people. I grew up in middle school or elementary school with a lot of different colored people and a lot of different diversity. And it was a lot different being in Boulder. So no, Boulder's not perfect. And I think a lot could change to make Boulder better, but, but that doesn't mean I take, doesn't mean I take a lot of pride in my hometown and I, I want Boulder to do better and I don't root for Boulder and I'm happy of all of its achievements. Yeah. You know, I, I, I was just thinking about this because um, the, the new, the, the new football coach, Carl Durrell, I remember when he was Darren Cheverini's, uh, receivers coach under Rick Neuheisel. Yeah. And, uh, I remember thinking, uh, I remember Rick Neuheisel saying that, uh, I forget when it was, it was in the post saying that he thought Durrell was going to be a head coach. And then lo and behold, I think it was a couple of years later, he gets on at, uh, UCLA. UCLA. And, yeah. And uh, then that's, you know, when Barnett was the coach out here at, C at CU. And um, I remember this. And I remember Coy Detmer throwing to Darren Cheverini. And it is weird for me right now looking at this football team thinking, like, man, the guy who was the wide receivers coach of Dever Darren Cheverini is now, is now the head coach of the CU Buffs with Cheverini still there through, uh, through all these head coaches on – on the staff and and, and right Chivarini i have the same now. thing with basketball yeah yeah i mean nate tomlinson was the point guard when i was in high school and now he's like a, the rising assistant of the cu buffs staff and i watched his whole career in the australian basketball league yes uh, nate tomlinson i thought was going to be there for 45 years and it turns out i'm correct <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> um okay i want you to tell me a story 
um, because I've heard it from other people, but maybe you have a different angle. Well, um, just before I actually even ask if I'm remembering this correctly, were you on the fabled uh, uh, mishap-laden trip to Arizona for the uh, playoff game? Uh, oh, my God. Because I need to know. <laughs> Okay, people. I mean, oh, if if you God. can clean if you clean things up and make sure you know, but but if you, this is a story you could tell, I would like you to tell it because I've heard it from other people, but I'm sure you have a different okay. angle. So uh, I'll lead with this: the year before Ryan Koningsberg and I went to to Vegas for the Pac-12 tournament, yeah, uh, we drove there because it was last second. We realized the buffs kind of just got hot, so we we drove there, mm-hmm. and we had a place to stay, so it was easy. Drive out was fine. Me and him switched shifts drive back i made him stay for the saturday night championship game because i got to call it which was big for me and he he realized that but that meant we need to drive from las vegas to boulder at about 11 o'clock in vegas and be in boulder at three o'clock the next day because that's when selection sunday is yeah and neither of us have really slept because it's vegas right so we drive back in the middle of the night uh, car came over the median on I-15. I swerved left because I thought I'd go back into it. Then I swerved right. So we almost died then. Then we almost ran out of gas in the Green Valley, 100 miles strip. Okay. Ugh. That was not as terrifying as the Arizona trip to the wild card game. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so it's Drew Creason, so Anilo Piro, and, my, and me. And, uh, Drew and I are working for BSN and Anilo's yep. working for Mile High and Christian Clark was working for Denverite and Christian calls us while we're picking up Anilo in downtown Denver and goes, hey, you guys are going, right? And we're like, yeah. He's like, well, I was going to go on the Greyhound, but that seems like a bad idea. Do you want to pick me up? We're like, yeah, you know, just split gas. Like that, we have a hotel room. You're good, man. So that was probably the worst decision Christian Clark could have made was not taking the <laughs> Greyhound. <laughs> so... We pick him up. Uh, he was in like Cap Hill at the time. And we're already like two hours behind schedule because Drew's like the slowest driver and Boulder guy. And we picked mm-hmm. up Christian and like whatever. So it's like almost sundown while we're departing Denver, which again, we have to be in Arizona in shit, like, you know, 16 hours. Like, it, you know, it, it's a tight time frame. Yeah. And uh, we make it down to about Pueblo, somewhere around there. Uh, and we stopped for gas, get a little bite to eat. Uh, and while we were stopping for gas, Drew hit like a rock. And it was, it was a really hard bump. And he was driving like a Toyota Camry. So it was really low to the ground. We didn't think much of it. But I was like, shit, that, that didn't seem good. About 20 miles down the road, uh, the engine starts smoking up. We lost all the oil in the engine. Oh. Um, so we're between Pueblo and the state line with a car that doesn't work, needing to be in Arizona for work. In X amount of hours, and this is the first time the Rockies have been in the playoffs in nine, ten years. So we're all like, we really, really want to go. So me and Anilo are like, how do we get back to Colorado Springs so we can take a lift from Colorado Springs to Phoenix? Holy shit. So that's where our head is. (laughs) Now, I don't know who had this idea. But we're on the side of the road stranded and things are not looking good. And it's also kind of starting getting cold. It's like around, you know, mid forties. It's, it's early October. So it's, it's cold at night in Colorado. Someone has this idea and goes, Hey, doesn't Larry live here? And I go, wait, yeah. Yeah. Larry does live here. And for those of you who don't know, 
there's this guy named Larry Patrick, who's a legend in media circles. Mm-hmm. He's old. He's, I can't even tell you how old he is. He's just really, really old. He's a nice man. He's, he's very generous. Uh, he loves baseball more than anything. And he covers the Rockies sparingly. Um, and I think that he was a candidate for the radio job when the Rockies first got it in 93. I, I don't know. He's been around for forever and he was in Detroit before. He's a big time sports show host or news host in Detroit. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But every time I've interacted with this man, nice as hell, have his number. And Larry just so happens to be the mayor of Walsenburg, Colorado. And we just happened to be stranded two miles outside of Walsenburg, Colorado. So one of us give Larry a call. And I, I was Drew who gives Larry a call because Drew, Drew had Larry on his podcast like a week earlier. And me, Christian, and Milo are just sitting like next to the, to the pickup, tr- uh, the, the tow truck. And we're just laughing. We're like, if this happens, like this is like the luckiest thing ever. Like we're dying laughing while Drew's on the phone. Drew's all stressed out because he wrecked his car, blah, blah, blah. He's on the phone. And, and Larry, it was on speakerphone, Larry goes, well, where are you? And we're like, well, we're like mile marker or whatever. He's like, oh, that's, that's right outside of Walsenburg. And we're like, yeah, we, we, we know. He's like, so what do you need? He's like, honestly, you know, we just kind of need a, a place to stay for the night. And we're, we're going to go back to Denver tomorrow and just call it quits. He's like, well, where were you going? And we're like, well, we were driving to Phoenix for the, uh, the playoff game. He's like, yeah. It's like, well, I just filled up my car with gas and I'd be interested in going down to Phoenix for the game. And we all look at each other like, what? This, this man who, again, we have no idea how old he is. He's just really old. And he, that's not a knock on him. He's just an old man. He goes, yeah, 1030 in the night. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll drive down to Phoenix. So we're like, okay, well, he's like, well, give me about a half hour, 45 minutes to pack up and say goodbye to my wife. And uh, I'll, I'll pick you up on the side of the highway. So we're sitting on the high, side of the highway. Man picks us up. Uh, we drive down to Albuquerque, maybe two, three in the morning. He says he's tired. He doesn't want anyone else to drive, which is fair given the fact that what just happened. Um, yeah. So yeah. he takes us down to Albuquerque. We sleep like two hours, and I'm like cuddling with Anilo in bed. I'm just <laughs> dead. And me and Anilo, this is a tra- traumatic story. Me and Anilo are really tight. And, uh, uh, you know, and Christian, I think, sleeping on the floor, like, we're at whatever we can do. And uh, so we wake up, like, a couple hours later, and we make the rest of the drive from Albuquerque to Phoenix. We get there, like, two hours before first pitch, and we buy Larry a playoff ticket, and uh, we buy him, like, a hotel room for the night. And on the ride there, we thought the Rockies were going to win, me and Anilo. So we're trying to figure out how we're going to get to L.A. the next day because we packed for multiple days because we thought the car were going to go to L.A., and Larry goes, just as we're pulling into to, to Chase Field and Phoenix, he goes, well, I'd, t- I'd take you to L.A. if they won. So, which is the, the cherry on the top. So, <laughs> th- that night uh, was obviously a crazy game. And my story was still one of my favorite stories I've ever wrote. The lead was, my horse broke his back to get me here. My horse broke his back and left me here <laughs> about John Gray. Um, and, uh, I, I, the story was pretty good, but like, I got a bunch of the numbers wrong because I didn't know what I was reading. Cause I was delirious at that point. I get out of there, meet Clark and, and Paul Klee go out for a drink in downtown Phoenix, go back to the hotel, me and Drew record a podcast. And then remind you, I'm still a college senior at this point, taking a capstone class. So I have to submit like a package for my production and like a bunch of stories because 
the whole time while I was in the car, I thought I was going to be like working my, my student stuff, but I couldn't because the whole thing was too dramatic. So I'm like up to like seven in the morning, the next morning, like working. Um, and then we, you know, I don't remember much about, about the drive back, to be honest. I don't even remember. Oh, all I remember about the drive back actually is that me and Drew somehow ended up at Union Station at like eight in the morning and we took the Flatiron Flyer back to Boulder and I walked into my my uh, my apartment at the time in college. I changed clothes and then walked in and did a did TV. So I'm on like four hours of sleep over like three days. Oh my and God. my uh, journalism professor at the time, Paul Doherty, and my uh, journalism TA at the time, who... Uh, uh, gosh, I'm forgetting her name, but they told me that my package was so bad that I will never amount to anything in journalism. Holy shit. Um, and I just said, I said, fuck you. You have no idea what I went through this week. Fuck you. <laughs> and from that day forward, from that day forward, I said, this is my capstone class for journalism. I need to graduate. I can either do one of two things. I can either be the best student possible and get through this class, or I could be the worst student possible and be such a distraction to the class that they won't fail me because they won't have me for another semester. I chose the latter and I had the most fun two months of my life as a student. I was just making fun of the teachers on air. I was doing whatever I could to just disrupt the whole thing. It was so fun. But yeah, so that's how that whole trip went from my perspective. But yeah, complete disaster. Story I'll tell for the rest of my life. Uh, Christian, Drew, and uh, Anilo and I are bounded by that for forever. And I'm forever indebted to Larry Patrick for letting me go to my first playoff game since the 2003 uh, NLCS between the Cubs and the Marlins. Oh, I, I got to tell you, I'd heard that story from Manilo. I've heard it from Christian. Uh, I haven't talked to Drew about it, but uh, now that I've heard it from you, this is still one of the wackiest stories I've ever heard. As far as like going to, like just going down to uh, cover a, a, a pivotal game, right? It's a, it's a playing, a, right. no, it's a playoff game, wildcard playoff it's, game. It was a one game playoff, <laughs> yeah, in, in Phoenix, Arizona. In Phoenix, and they're like, oh man, you know, would have been. It none of us been... are making enough for our. our, our... Yeah, none of us are making enough or our media outlets support us enough to actually buy a flight, so we have to get down there somehow. It was just it was a mess. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got to see Paul Klee. I mean <laughs> Any day I see Paul Klee is a good day. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Friend of the program, Paul Klee. Paul Klee. Well, uh, you know, Jake, I really appreciate you coming on. I knew this was going to be fun. That's one of the reasons I wanted you on. So um, I tell you what. I'll make you a deal. I will have you on more frequently. Uh, if you want to talk more rapid stuff, we can do that. Whatever you want, because this has been a fun hour, and uh, I like having fun people on my podcast. I, I Do you record the podcast? Like, is it visual? Can people see the visual part of the podcast or no? Yeah, no, I, I record. Do the, you post the – Yeah, yeah. Dude, so people okay, can see your – Okay, so hold on. I'm going to take you – Yeah, yeah, hold on one sec. So – I want to talk nuggets with you and I have to prove a point right now. Okay. So right. I have these posters in my apartment right here. You see these and you mm -hmm. see how one's missing. I got so excited during game seven against the Clippers that when I came back here drunk, I knocked one of these off the wall and I still haven't fixed it yet. Mm -hmm. So I look very much forward to talking <laughs> nuggets with you because it's the thing that I, one of my, one of my things that I'm most passionate about. Okay. <laughs> I was so excited <laughs> through this playoff run. I'll tell you what we will do a, I did a live podcast, not live, but I recorded a podcast with Anilo once at Jake's food and spirits, uh, uh, that Andy Feinstein's old place. And, uh, 
we did it during like the trade deadline. So I tell you what, uh, we could uh, we could do something during like free agency or something like that. We just just like well like have live shit going down over that. I'm in because you know how much I love talking nuggets, and we didn't even talk nuggets. We didn't even talk nuggets, and uh, I'll bring I'll I'll have a full bottle of wine, and then we'll just we'll just have fun. How about that? <laughs> so, sounds good to me. All right. Thank you for joining me, Jake, and I'll be talking to you guys later.